0: Thank you for listening to the new life church podcast if you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online please visit us at newlifekingman.com
1: thank you jesus hallelujah hallelujah praise god amen you can be seated this morning we want to take a moment and welcome everybody that's here we want to welcome everybody that's watching online Um, And for all of the youth, if you're here junior high, high school age, uh, youth is going out. You could see Alex right now waving his hand. You could go and be a part of that. Amen. Well, I just want, before we get into our message today, to uh, just remind you of a couple things. First of all, uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to tonight with the men. Uh, Encourage all the men to come out. We've had several people come to us over the last... Years since uh, COVID has uh, been going on, we've uh, had guys come and say, Man, we really need to do something for the men, to have a men's meeting. And so Tonight we're going to have something, we're going, this is going to be a regular thing that we're going to do once a month, the first Sunday of the month, we're going to do our men's meeting and we'll be doing other things as well, uh, we want to do that, we've got stuff planned for the women as well coming up and so I uh, just want to encourage all the men, I don't care if you're, is anybody here over 120 years old, raise your hand, a couple people a hundred, over 120? All right. If you're over, if you're over 120, you get a pass. Uh, you don't got to come. Uh, if you're, is anybody here uh, under one? All right. So we want you. If you're male and you're in between one and 120, you're welcome to come. Come on out. Be a part of that. We're going to have a really good time in the Lord. Six o'clock. We'll have some pizza. Six thirty. We'll uh, be speaking to you. And who knows what the Lord will do? Amen. Today could be your day. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to uh, uh, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah today, uh, uh, chapter 54, looking at one verse of Scripture. We'll get to that here in a minute. Um, We've been talking a lot about, and this this whole thing about prayer has ended up becoming, prayer and and praise has ended up becoming a little bit of an unintended series It's not something that I had intended to preach as a series, but that's, God has other plans. And, you know, sometimes you just have to go with his flow. Can you say amen? You just got to do what he (coughs) is leading. And so, as he has led us, we've talked a lot about prayer in the last several weeks. And, you know, one of the things that we found out is that God chose, this is an amazing thought, God chose to limit himself to the prayers of his children. And when you think about that, that's awesome. I mean, when you think about, you know, because God talks about the fact that he wants to partner with us. God didn't just create us so that we could be these, you know, mindless automatons that are going through earth that, that, you know, just praise God, praise God. You know, he wanted a family. He wanted children. And just like I think with my kids, my sons and my daughter and my my, my uh, daughter-in-laws, and I think about the fact that, you know, there's nothing greater in my heart than to partner with them in what we do together. Whether it's a business, whether it's the ministry, or, or whatever it is, it's that, it's that connection of family that, that, that really gives us uh, meaning and purpose in life, and it really, really gives, it fulfills things. It it fleshes things out the way other things cannot. And I believe that's the heart of God. God wanted a family, not just so that we could, you know, just spend all this time groveling, but that we would partner with him. In fact, it's so significant that he actually gives us his power, his authority, his name, and he sends us out and says, I want you to go do my business. And the Bible tells us, he talks to us about prayer. He talks about praying. Jesus spoke a lot about prayer. He taught them about prayer. And he said, look at when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. So that tells us immediately that, that little statement right there just gives us this bird's eye view of what he's saying. You're praying to your Father. The government of heaven is based in family. Are you hearing that? And it's based in this cooperation, this partnership between us and God. And here is this sovereign, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God that has said, look at, I am going to work within the framework of your prayers. I'm going to work within this framework. And what he does is he he, he, he brings about his purposes. He brings about the destruction of the work of the devil. How many know that's one of the reasons that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil? Amen. It says that. And he tells us in the Word that he wants to destroy this. And he's passionate about that. And he uses something as simple as prayer. Amen. But the thing that we found out is there is a problem with prayer, isn't there? Now he's like, "Oh man, you're going sideways on me here." There's a problem with prayer, or maybe maybe you don't have a problem with prayer, but I do. And the problem that I have with prayer is it doesn't always work out the way I want it to. <laughs> I, I know. Go figure, huh? You know, I told the eight thirty service. I said, "You know, there, there's a statement that's used a lot in our in our society. We." We have this, this dynamic that's at work. It's called armchair quarterbacking. How I many, you know, or 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 it's backseat driving. Have you ever had anybody backseat? I, I saw in a mechanic shop one time. It says labor. It says labor uh, thirty five dollars an hour. You know to repair. If you watch. $45 an hour. If you try to help, $60 an hour, you know. It's like, you know, have you ever met those guys? You, they come for, to you for help, but they won't get their hands out of it, you know. It's, and it's this statement of, you know, if I was in your shoes or if I was this or if I was that, this is what I would do. And the problem with that is, church, is that there is no way you would know what you would do unless you're in their shoes, because you cannot fathom the nuances and the details of that individual situation and how you would react to it. But oftentimes we say stuff like, if I was God, and God just kind of chuckles. (laughs) Oh, if you were God, (laughs) it'd be a real mess. I know. But sometimes we think that way and we pray, this is what you ought to do, God. And God says, I know, and that's really, really cute that you think that way, but, but you cannot grasp the level of, 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 of layers that are involved in what you're praying for. And so what we have to do, church, is exactly what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. That's what we need to do. And so through this, this process of prayer, we sometimes come to that place where we're, we're wondering, why didn't it work the way I wanted it to? Why didn't this happen? And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how do we fix that? How is it that I, whether it's a problem with my faith, or whether it's a problem that I don't know what I need to pray for, or whether it's a problem with with a, 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 an attack, or, or some sort of spiritual warfare, or, or whatever it might be, what is the answer to the problem of prayer? Well, when you begin to look at the Bible, you find out that praise, and I'm going to show you this here in just a minute, praise really does become the answer to prayer, because Praise does something that changes the dynamic. Listen, when you praise God, it's amazing that when you begin to magnify God, how little your problems really become. See, the problem is, is where we're putting our attention. Amen? You can focus on your problems and you can make, you know, m- molehills in the mountains. Amen? And you could be convinced that you are overwhelmed and there's no hope and you're never going to make it through. Or you can focus on God. And he says, if you do that, if your mind is stayed on me, I will keep you in perfect peace. amen. Amen? And that peace, the Bible says, will guard my heart and it will overcome all the work of the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so when we begin to think about this thing of praise, we see that it's really really powerful. So much this morning has been taught on prayer. You could buy books on prayer. You I mean endless, endless. Just just type in one time into Google books on prayer and it, there's like 500 million books on prayer and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it's amazing. But you know what, praise seems to be one of those things that kind of in the Christian community is a little bit uh, uh, controversial. We, we just don't really know, and so not a lot is taught about praise. But listen, praise is the chief occupation of angels. When, go, 24-7, angels are, are encircling the throne of God, worshiping and praising him. In the book of Revelations, go look at it. Praise is your greatest ministry to the Lord. Do you know we're called to minister to the Lord? He ministers to us. We're to minister to him. And the way we minister to him is through our praise and worship. Man was created to live and breathe in an atmosphere of praise-filled worship to his creator. Can you say amen? We have so much. Church, we have so much to praise God for, don't we? We have so much to honor him for. Yet the struggles and the difficulties and the demands of daily life, if we're not careful, can crowd out praise. It can push it to the side. And if we're going to walk in a lifestyle of praise and worship, then we have to fix ourselves on making that our habit. David said, he says, I established myself to praise. That's what David said. Praise and worship is the thing that we stand upon. Why? Because praise and worship is what is going to stir our faith. Listen to me. Praise and worship, no doubt, is a ministry unto the Lord, but it is also a weapon in the arsenal that God's given to us to overthrow The powers of darkness, can you say amen, Amen. to bring about the purposes of God. Now, we know this morning, the Bible tells us very clearly, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. But faith that moves, faith that overcomes, faith that prevails, triumphant, victorious faith is stirred into action through praise. There is a quality of praise that comes, there's a dynamic that comes to our life as we are praising that stirs us into a place of belief, of trust, of faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the conclusion that we came to last week, in the last several weeks, is that the secret to prayer that overcomes is faith that is moving. And the secret to triumphant, moving, victorious faith is a purposeful lifestyle of praise. Yeah. It's that we praise God. We give Him glory. And I, I want this morning to begin where we left off last week. And I, I said something that was rather strong last week and, and, and maybe even a little controversial. And it, and it really does need repeating. And, and, and the reason why, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and please, please, I, what I'm about to say, I, I, I want to make sure that, that, that I give you the context or the heart of the thing. I'm not saying what I'm saying today to heap condemnation on you or to make you feel bad. Now, if you end up feeling bad, that is not my goal. What I'm doing is I want to maybe shake you a little bit, okay? Okay? Is that all right? Can I shake you a little bit? I want to wake you up a little. Because listen to me, we are living in some interesting times. And I've heard, look at I've been around a while and I've listened to prophecy and I I have heard prophecy, everything from one extreme over here that just basically says, hey, everything's golden, nothing's happening, nothing's going on, you're all good, you're going to sing kumbaya, Michael, roll your boat ashore, and everything's going to be good. And you're good. And then I've heard prophecy on the other extreme, you know, that there's, you know, meteorites coming named Wormwood and it's going to take out the earth and it's going to turn into a ball of fire and, you know, we are going to just literally roast to death and, you know, on and on and on and just, you know, and so you get these extremes. Well, let me tell you something. Somewhere in the middle is the truth. Okay, the word of God. How many, how many know the word of God is important? Raise your hand if you believe that. Thank you. We need to go back to the word. Can you say amen? amen? And we need to go back to the word because the word is going to give us really what we need. Okay? And look at the word of God tells us that we are in the end times. Amen. Good so far you good with me? This is what disturbs me about this is because well-meaning Christians will get up and they will spout off all kinds of things that have political edges to them, social constructs and all kinds of things, not realizing what they're saying. And Jesus, I was in prayer about this the other day and I was meditating and I felt the Lord just put on my heart. He says, you know what, John? He says, think of God often speaks to me in pictures. Okay. So in my mind's eye, I'm not, I didn't have like any vision or nothing, but this is my thought, is I see this guy that's in a rowboat or, or, or some life raft, and he's out to sea, and he's been out there for a little while, and he's having to survive. And in order to survive in that crisis, in that rowboat, he has to do things there that are unthinkable in any other situation, If he don't do them, he ain't surviving. And the problem is, is with Christians, is see, right now, you know, there really isn't that much pressure on us right now. Not much. We're in an air-conditioned building, online, people around the world can watch. We're using the name Jesus, and we're celebrating, and we're probably good right now. I don't know. There may come a day when that all ends. I don't know. But if we can't show up when it's good, (laughs) if we can't pray when it's all well, if we can't praise when the things are going well, if you can't run with the footmen, how will you run with the horsemen? That's what scares me, and you know, and here's here's the thing, and I know a lot of people look at that and they'll go, man, you're being hard. No, I'm not being hard. I'm shaking you a little bit. I'm just, all I'm doing is just kind of nudging you a little bit. Go, wake up. Look, here's the problem, church. We have become intoxicated on immaturity. I know you're looking at me going, he lost his place. No. I didn't. And I'm not, so, please listen to me, I'm not saying that to be harsh or critical or condemning or anything. I'm saying to you that everything you need has been given. Amen. You have the word of God. Yeah. And, and you're not going to get to heaven and go, well, my pastor just didn't preach on that. I have people come to me all the time. Why don't you preach on this? Why don't you read it? Should I get back to praise? Larry, should I get back to praise? Am I doing good? All right, all right. I'm meddling now, ain't I? So what I said last week where we left off, That was free, by the way, no charge. After sharing the story of David or or witnessing as we read the Scripture about David's wild display of praise and worship as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, we saw Michael, David's wife, despised David's demonstration. And the result is, the Bible says, from that day, She never had a child. Despising exuberant praise and worship will leave you barren. See, whenever someone despises extravagant worship, they put themselves... I'll tell you a story. I know I just interrupted my own thing here. There was a pastor that... uh, Very well-known pastor. He's telling this story. He says... One day in his church, he says, a, 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 a woman came in with a wedding dress on and combat boots. And she's sitting up front. And he goes, I get it. You know, it's the bride going to battle. I got, I got it. I got it. It's a metaphor. And he says, and then one day he's sitting on the front row, and a guy so excited comes in from the side door and does like three different flips. And then he comes back and does three more flips, and, and, and the pastor, is, he's, he's looking, he's going like, he says, that's pretty impressive, that's that's hard to do. And then the guy over the he looks at him, and, and the pastor goes, one more time, that's it. And so he does three more, he does that, he says, so I tell you this, he says, that I can handle some real excitement. He says, but there was a day one time, I'm sitting in a conference, and he says, I'm sitting in this, on the front row, and there's this young woman, she's rather ratty looking she's not very cleaned up she's kind of got some problems but she is off the hook worshiping God and he goes and it's bugging me he goes I'm, I'm just in my heart I'm like man I wish she would just be quiet and I wish she'd calm down I wish she would just get over herself she's just you know all she wants is attention And he says, he's sitting there and there's a woman, there's another woman that's part of the conference sitting and she leans over to him and says, isn't that precious? And he doesn't respond, he's thinking in mind, no, that's not precious. And she leans over and she said, you know what happened is she said yesterday she was rescued from the sex trade slavery and she's just been set free and she just gave her life to Jesus. And that pastor said, he's sitting there and he goes, Oh, dear God. He says, I am, I, I am, uh, I'm despising the joy of being rescued and the just the hope of life and that Jesus came and ministered to her. And sometimes, church, what happens is we get so comfortable in our formality, in our tradition, in our liturgy. You know what, some of us need to break out. Now, I'm not, I look, at, I'm not talking about having a free-for-all and being wild and crazy. I'm talking about allowing God to come in. That, for some of you, breaking out might mean you just need to tap your foot. I don't know. Maybe it's lift your hands. Maybe it's clap a little bit. But what happens is we come, the American Church does one of two things. We either come in to be entertained, or we come in to spectate. And neither are what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to enter in to worship. Are you hearing me? So when someone, whenever someone despises extravagant worship, they put themselves in an extremely dangerous position. Because barrenness and the absence of worship go hand in hand. The devil actually doesn't mind worship that's tame. Extreme worship exposes religion in everyone. But there is hope, thank God. Our text, Isaiah 54 verse 1. Interesting passage. It says, sing, O barren, you, have not, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now here's what's interesting. Most commentators, there are some that that don't believe this, but most commentators believe this chapter is closely connected to Isaiah 53, the chapter before which describes in detail what Jesus was going to accomplish on the cross, and it contains a promise. This, if you go on and read Isaiah 54, it's filled with promises of enlargement, promises of moral revolution and renovation, and a future glory of the kingdom of God, especially under Jesus. Now, no doubt, at the time of the writing of this this verse in Isaiah, um, the the, the children of Israel were exiled into Babylon at this point. And a few of them, as weak as they were, were permitted to look forward into the future and see a time when the Messiah would come and change everything. And the future condition of the people of God would be glorious. And the church would rise on the foundation of the Son of God. And in that chapter, it says, and no weapon formed against it would prosper so isaiah tells us and ultimately he tells them to shout for joy to lift up the voice of exaltation and praise and in this case just the opposite of what happened to david's wife michael happens the praise and worship in this verse is linked to the barren breaking forth in children or with children are you hearing what i'm saying that something happens. He says, sing, O barren. So the condition of barrenness still exists when they start singing. Sing, O barren. The condition of barrenness, the problem still exists. He says, sing anyway. When you worship, something's going to transpire. Are you hearing? This is what's amazing to me. What a promise this is, that when we worship, we become fruitful. Remember, true worship, it attracts the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. And you know what? Praise and worship draws the hearts of those who witness it. It's contagious. You know this. This is not unknown to us. Have you ever watched a video where there's a little kid laughing? You don't know what he's laughing about. How about just a, an adult? A random adult just starts cracking up. The, all you see, you don't see the joke, you don't hear the punchline, you just hear the laughter. And you're even thinking about it now, some of you are wanting to chuckle a little bit. It's contagious. There's something about that. There's something about praise and worship that produces life. Praise and worship was not an option for the first century church, nor is it an option for us today. Worship this morning is central to who we are. It's central to our relationship with our heavenly Father. And we don't worship this morning. Please understand this. We don't worship for what we get out of it. We worship for what God is, who he is what he is to us, recognizing that he is worth it. Are you hearing me? Therefore, worship is not a pep talk to calm our lives each week, to rally the troops. Worship is not a motivational seminar to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Worship is not the Christian alternative to Saturday night Rock concerts or Beethoven in his sympathy, sympathy symphony. <laughs> Worship is about celebrating Jesus. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? And then there are things that happen because of it. Jack Hayford said this. He says, Worship is about the formation of our hearts in the presence of God. Worship is about sharing the shaping, I should say, of disciples through Jesus. Worship is about the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the worshiper. Worship is about preparing for battle. Do you remember Jehoshaphat? What did he do? He spoke to God. He prayed. He got the mind of God, all of that. God basically said, you know what? Today you're not going to have to fight. Today the battle's mine. And then Jehoshaphat says, I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Go put put the worship team up front (laughs) We don't get that. We don't understand. You have to understand the context. There is an army surrounding them. Multitudes of people. Vicious, horrible. Sennacherib is there. It's bad, bad, bad. It ain't good. And the praise team is going to get up. They're out there. I don't know who they are, but they're out there. They all got guns pointing in this direction. Jason. Get Dan and Courtney and Mary and Mom and Katie. and I, I, I want you guys to get out there. I want you to get in the parking lot and just worship. It's easy to say right now, but that's what's taking place. One man said this. He says, worship is succinctly one thing, a meeting between God and his people. Listen, worship doesn't lead us into an encounter with God. Worship is an encounter with God. See, churches don't need new programs, new seminars. What they need is a new encounter. We, need, we are desperate for a life-changing glimpse of the greatness of God. Can you say Amen. The awesomeness of who he is, the wonder, the power, the mercy, the goodness and the loveness or the loving kindness of God in our lives. Worship is absolutely necessary. Can you say amen? And as we begin to wind this down, I want you to listen to a couple things here. Because worship is such a vital part of our Christianity. But you have to understand, it's not about the music. This is a part of it. Don't misunderstand. This has a role to play, but it's not all there. Worship begins when we are completely given over to God. See, after giving the Ten Commandments, the Lord gave explicit directions to Moses to build a tabernacle in the wilderness, didn't he? And for about a year, they spent, A whole year in the Sinai wilderness, basically putting together, doing what God told them to do to build the tabernacle of witness where they would worship God. And all that they did within the confines of that tabernacle was considered worship. In fact, they went on and there were certain people, the Levites, that were designated as priests before the Lord. And they were given the duty of carrying out the worship And this is what David expanded when he came on the scene because David then took it a step further. And he said, look at, I want 4,000 Levite priests priests, that your job is going to be nothing but worshiping before the throne of God. That's what you do night and day, 24-7. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, it says, we are a royal priesthood. We read this. we, We talked about this. We're a peculiar people. That we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's not my word. That's his word. Your role, your identity, among other things, is priesthood. You are a king and priest before him that you should offer the praises of him who called you out of darkness. And the biblical pattern of worship involves all aspects of our life. Are you hearing me? Of our personality. We are to physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually invest our lives into praise and worship. They say, well, How is that? Well, most people recognize worship ought to be spiritual. We get that. No doubt. Worship is spiritual. And and we don't have a problem with worship being intellectual. In other words, that that we would have good words to say and that it would be intelligent. But there is an uneasiness about our involvement with emotional or physical expression. It's where we draw the line, don't we? It's like, you, you guys need to get under control. Yet in any other setting other than church, when we are happy, joyful, excited, both physically and emotionally, when we express that, it's the most natural thing. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me just do a demonstration. Um. So for the guys here, what, what, what happens if you were at the Mojave County Fair and you entered into a drawing and uh, you won the drawing and you got a brand new 2021 F-150 full-wheel drive pickup, all the maintenance covered for two years and all the gas covered for two years, all the insurance covered for two years? <clears throat> all you do is get the keys and drive her home. Sign the, sign the title, it's yours. Yes! Oh, my God. And if you know what? If, if that don't get you, I'll, I'll get some of you with this one. How about this? You enter a drawing, and you get a brand-new Henry rifle. Oh, yeah. Now, now we're talking, aren't we? Did you hear that? Did you hear that kind of just waft through? Oh, yeah. Not, not, yeah, I don't need that truck. I need that rifle, though. And all the bullets, you can shoot through it. And if you know anything about bullets right now, they're pretty expensive. And you know what? You do, and I can go on and on. How, okay, for the ladies, I'll tell you what. I had to really dig deep to think this one through because I'm not a lady. But here, you win an all-expensed paid trip to Lake Havasu to go to Hobby Lobby. All paid. All paid. It's after store hours, all the employees are there, you have your own assistant, you don't even have to pick it up unless you want to hold it. They'll put it in the cart, they'll push it out, and they will even haul it away because you don't have enough room in your car to bring it home. No price. I'm telling you, we're jumping up and down, we're calling people, we're on Facebook, we're shouting, we're doing this, and it's normal. It's like, well, of course you would do that. We get into church, it's like, shh shh, there'll be no laughter in here. No, no. You be quiet. I, I've, heard, I've heard things like, you know, you know, people have said stuff like, you know, um, well, man, it's a little bit loud. And, and I've made statements like this. Well, you know, God's not nervous. I had a guy say back, and I loved it. He goes, and God ain't deaf either, so... Uh. So I get it. I I get the fact that there's some balance in this. I really do. I understand that. But church, we're not talking about balance here. We're talking about the fact that we need to have an attitude that says, you know what, God, I'm going to worship you and I am going to give my heart. See, when he said to us, give it all, he wanted your body, your soul, your spirit, your heart, everything about you. Listen to this verse. I'm going to read this verse very quickly. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. It says, oh, God. You are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. In other words, you came to church. To see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. What is he saying? He's telling us, he says, look at expressed praise brings about the blessing of praise. And then he says, it's not silent. Twice in this portion of Scripture, he says this, my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. See, the release of praise or this spirit of praise begins with a genuine hunger and thirst for God. Can you say amen? It's our pursuit of him that delivers us the understanding of the power of God in our lives. And we seek him, we find him, and we experience more than just power. We receive his love. And it's his love which makes life worth living. Can you say amen? Amen. So we praise him with joyful lips. Listen to this, Romans. In Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36, he says, oh, he, he, he he, he gives us the motivation. For our worship, he says, "O the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and His ways past finding out! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become His counselor? Or who has first given to Him, and it shall be repaid to Him? For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To whom be the glory forever." Amen. It's talking about the greatness, the wonder, the awesomeness of God. Can you say amen? And our only appropriate response is what Paul follows up in chapter 12, verse 1. Immediately, this follows what we just read. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you, therefore, because of everything I just said, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. One translation says that is your spiritual act of worship. There is a presentation of our lives to him. Can you say amen? Not just our spiritual man, not just our mental or emotional, but our physical Man, can you say amen? We present our rededica- dedicated bodies to him by kneeling and bowing and raising our heads and our hands and singing before the Lord. We present our revived emotions to him by shouting and clapping to the Lord, praising aloud, rejoicing, and expressing thanksgiving. We, re- we present our regenerated spirits to him by worshiping in the Spirit, singing spiritual songs, and giving thanks, and we present our renewed minds to him by obedient, orderly, intelligent, sensitive worship with understanding. Can you say amen? amen? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come like we did last week. We're early again. So I just, as we bring this to a close, the worship team is coming. I just want to share a couple more scriptures with you as they come. Worshipping really is declaring his greatness, isn't it? Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully. You notice all the shouting going on in here? Shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is, a gre- is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also his also. The sea is his, for he made it. In his hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Worship is about lifting his name. In Psalms 145, 1 through 3, it says, I will praise you, O God and King, my God and my King, and bless your name forever. I will bless you every day, and I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. His greatness is beyond discovery. Worship is about humility. Philippians 3, 3 say this, For we who worship God in the Spirit are the only ones who are truly circumcised. We put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us in other words we've co- quickly come in worship we, we, we come to the place where we recognize our inability but yet his ability are you hearing me and finally worship is about opening our hearts to him Psalms 86 12 says I praise you O Lord my God with all my heart I will glorify your name forevermore I'm always amazed at how the Old and New Testament, when you study the Word, you find out that the Old Testament really is a foreshadowing of what God's going to do in the New. He tells us there's a new covenant coming. He, he tells us in the Old Testament that this inferior covenant that's based on law and based on human effort is going to be overshadowed and replaced with a superior covenant that's based in what Jesus does. Based in this act of faith, believing in the and the son of god and so he says but he carries a lot of the thoughts over because then jesus says this in mark twelve thirty. He says and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first commandment and the amazing thing is is every part of the human existence is in that statement my spirit my soul my my body all of it's there That's what worship's about. It's about prioritizing Jesus. And church, I say this to you to encourage you. I I don't say this to be just a one-time thought and then we move on to some other thought. I say this today because what I want you to do is to get this down inside and understand that, wait a second, you know, when I do this, when when I set myself to do this in my life, it changes how my prayers work. And my prayers are me really partnering with God. Because what it does is it stirs my faith. When I am challenged, because you will be challenged. You do have an enemy of your soul and he will challenge you. And when you're challenged, if you'll... You know, I heard one pastor say this. He says, the the more violent the challenge, the more violent the praise. Why? It's It's what God's given us to overcome. Jesus turned the world upside down when he came. They thought he was coming to establish his kingdom and overthrow the Roman government and that he would sit on the throne and now all the Jews would be in charge. But that's not what happened. He did establish his kingdom. But in a way, they never thought. He came as a baby. They never thought that. Then he died on a cross and they thought, oh, dear God, it's over. But he rose again. He came into newness of life. So Jesus never goes by our pattern. He never goes by the way we think. See, we think it ought to be just this great contest with weapons. And God says, yeah, I'll tell you what. Here's how you fight. Get on your knees and pray. You want to go out to battle? Get the worship team up. Get them singing.
0: You want to overcome
1: something in your life? Worship me. For what? Whatever. For me. Because I'm worth it i got to praise him about my need. No, no, just praise him. Just say, you're worth it. When you say, you're worth it, he comes on the scene. And where God is, everything that he has comes with him. Are you hearing me? It'll change your life, church. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to ask you to sit. If you want to stand, you can. But we're just for a minute or so or a little while, we're just going to let the worship team take us into some worship and I just want you to worship. It's early like I said. So just let's just worship the Lord.
2: When you stand undefeated, every battle you've won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with comfort, and I'm seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who is called.
0: submit and open up our mouth god that's it god so we do that right now father we do that right now god we worship you because you and you alone are worthy of it god we come with zero agenda god we balance out our expectation our our expectation is is that you move but we come with no agenda god we just want you that's it god God, so as we sing this again, God, we just, we lift our voice in this place, Father. God, we just, we lay our heart bare right now, Father. So, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you touch each and every one of us this morning, Lord. God, that you just reach into our life, you disrupt our, our lives, God, so that we can worship you, Lord. God, any hindrance, God, anything that is blocking us from you, we tear that down, and of Jesus God you've given us that authority in Jesus name oh, when I open my mouth when I
2: to feel with the power, power of your name, I see it in the heavenly place to feed with the one who is conquer it all God, we
0: thank you Lord. God we thank you church I just want to encourage you this morning that this doesn't this is not isolated to this room. When you leave this place, you can experience his presence in your living room, in your car, as you're getting ready. I want to encourage you, take the, this, these next seven days to set some time aside where you can worship God. Because it doesn't, there's nothing special about the, the, this room, there's nothing special about the lights or the sound or anything. All that is required is you. Lift your voice. Worship him. We thank you, God, so much for every time we call, you show up. You are faithful. You are so faithful, and we thank you for that. We are going to dismiss, but before we do, we just want to remind you that tonight is our Men of Valor men's meeting. Please, men, show up. Bring a friend.